episode of the Rebel Radio Podcast, and um, yeah, I know what it's called. Um, Mark, Mark and Matt here with you. Um, no long today. It was a one-time guest appearance, and now he's abandoned us again. Yep. Um, but he's trying know. to build build up the anticipation for next time. Yeah, you know, I mean, whatever the Asian mafioso does, it's what the Asian mafioso does. I mean, I I don't I don't dare cross him because he gives you that look. Like he was giving he does give me a look during the show last week, like he was gonna jump through the fucking computer screen and just rip my jugular out, and you know, he, he gets, that, he gets yeah. that way sometimes. But uh, but he we're does. Glad, we're glad he came on the show. Um, you know, it was it was it was good to have him back for at least an episode, and and uh, I know he he uh, always said, "Well, you guys didn't invite me, dude. You're always fucking invited. You're one of our always. You're one yeah. of our best friends. You're you we are all ordained." monks or what, what, what did we get on running yeah we're, we're ordained ministers That's through right. the uh, universal we're, life we're, church we're brotherhood of the universal life church yeah so there is no boundaries here it's like you're always welcome well okay there's certain kind of boundaries don't be grabbing my junk or nothing you know because that's that's not cool but, yeah yeah uh, or, or you know get into my secret stash of pop tarts you know right. <laughs> um <laughs> pop tarts I, yeah, I never like pop tarts <laughs> Dude, acquired taste I mean, uh, okay you know like when you go in a department store and I'm not going to throw anyone certain store under the bus how they're always fucking now trying to sell you internet or television or electricity or you know whatever Yeah, um, you can't walk through a fucking department store without them bugging you like what internet provider do you have man you know what I'm picking up the kids right in the car line the, the little ones there is an AT&T guy setting up a fucking table in the park next to the car line trying to sell people internet now, who the fuck's going to get out of their car? Oh, let me sign up for internet while I'm waiting for my kids in the car line. Like, I, I swear. Wow. Just when you think you've seen it all, you see something crazy. This guy's been out there two or three times now. I really want to stop and ask him, like, hey, man, have you even had any clients? I mean, I already have AT&T internet, so I don't need it. But I'm just like, like, really, who's going to who sign up for that? You know? I mean, that's, yeah. that's, that's bizarre. Yeah, usually, usually I just tell them that I have their internet, and that way they're just like, "Oh, oh, cool! Do you like it?" It's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I like it. It's cool. Yeah, oh, all right." And then you know they've got they got nothing because they're like, "Oh, well, we can't sell the same thing to them back to back to back." Uh, you know, it doesn't count. But uh, yeah, they're getting pretty desperate, yeah, man. I was just like, "Wow!" I was just like, "Yeah, I'm, I do the same thing." I whether I don't have reliant or txu or whatever it is i just tell me i already have it yeah. and then then if they say well we're, what rate are you paying oh, i'm good i'm good you know you just keep walking just, exactly I, I find them really really annoying i'm trying to buy underwear and you're asking me if i want internet it's like leave me alone you know it's like, it's like, no. i'm searching for the sexiest thongs possible here you know exactly <laughs> the man thong that's right well the one with the tuxedo front yeah, man thong. because you know, no, i want no yeah. over here i'm not into that but the man thong you know sometimes yeah. you just want to wear up your ass i mean <laughs> <laughs> for the support no, yeah it's not ready for me in a fucking man thong i'll admit that <laughs> the world's not ready for a lot of things but you know sometimes they just happen man like that's, that's like frank funny. frank and leather chaps <laughs> oh lord you know? god help us <laughs> um, on that note uh how was your week uh it was good it was good um it's uh getting a little cooler outside you know all things considered when? uh i yeah. was just at baseball practice in middle so it's hot as balls what are you talking about it's it's technically like 10 degrees cooler you know even though it's still in the 90s 
but we got some rain today. Um, you know, so that was cool. Uh, and, uh, you got rain. Yeah. Yeah. Got rain. It rain in my house. Oh, dang. Yeah. I got like, rain. I had to like, you know, hurry up and run outside, throw the hot dogs on the grill and run back inside so that they didn't get water in them. So yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It was fun. I had to, you know, it was like, Oh, cool. Finally, you know, <laughs> I felt like, uh, you know, we've been the, you know, if you ever seen the movie Rango, we're like the animals from Rango, you know, every day, just holding, the, holding up our jars to the sky, wondering if it's going to rain. And there you go. We get it. Man, I am. Um, my week's not been bad. I mean, I've only been back to work for two days. I took Monday and Tuesday off. And, and um, <coughs> excuse me, this is kind of my, uh, in a way, my, my, I didn't really watch anything this week besides the Soka, but I did watch um, my favorite band in the world and what I think is the greatest man in the world. And, you know, I, well, I started the weekend off in Galveston with my family. My mom turned uh, 70 this week. And, uh, so we celebrated her and had an amazing time. Um, nice. Took a boat out on the Bay of Galveston and drove around uh, with just, just my brother and brother-in-law and the kids, not, not the, not the girls. They stayed back at the house and, uh, and that, that was interesting and fun. We um, almost got the boat stuck cause my brother didn't pay attention to what he was doing. Ooh. Um, but it, it all turned out okay. It was um, it was pretty pretty fun, pretty neat, and it was an experience. Um, I had been on boats before, but it had been many many years since I'd been on one, and uh, so that was a, that was pretty neat. Um, and we just had a really good time. And I am not a huge fan of Galveston. You know, I've told you this before. I can take it or leave it, but I really did have a good week in my family. It was a lot of fun. And then That's uh, good, man. And then I got back and I took off to Austin, and uh, I went to with my oldest son. We went to see Pearl Jam play, and. Uh, it's the tenth time I've seen them. You know, anyone's listened to podcasts in the past knows that that's my 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 uh, the band of my life. Um, it's you know, it's always it's hard to explain to people why um, you connect with something. You know, I think when it's something really large like Star Wars and and Batman, it's easier to explain to people. But when yeah. it's it, when it's not not that Pearl Jam is niche, but it's um it's a different it's a different way of connecting. Not everyone likes the the same music, not that everyone likes the same movies, but it's hard to explain this. And you know, people are always asking you like, why do you go see them so many times? Why do you have tattoos of them? Why do you have posters of them and buy all their CDs? And it's just, you can't explain it. It's just a feeling that you have that you've connected with this band and and that's how they are. And it was, it was just another fantastic show. Michael was blown away. He just sat there and took it all in with a good experience for him. And, uh, um, it's not, it probably wasn't my favorite show or it's probably the second best show I've seen them do. Mm-hmm. And it's hard because when you see them ten times, every show has something special about it. But uh, but it, it was it was a hell of a good show, and people were just having a good time in Austin. And and there's such a community with that band and their fans and the way people treat each other. And uh, um, it was just a blast. They they played a they played different sets every night. You know, they don't always play the same sets, and uh, that's why people travel mm-hmm. around to see them. And like they played a song the other night they only played five other times previously. So you just get lucky. You see some rare gem like that, you know, and, and that was cool. And nice. uh, I've been lucky that I've seen 10 shows and they've opened up with a different song every time. So I have a 10 show streak of different openers, which is pretty rare because, you know, um, despite different set lists, they do generally have the same kind of rotation sometimes of opening songs. But so I've been pretty lucky on that. And, um, you know, they, they're almost in their 60s, man, but they just still flat out rock more than most of these fucking young bands, you know. Um, just, just a hell of a good fucking show and, uh, a good time. And, uh, it was a blast and, and, uh, I've been riding a high from it. I've been in a, just a really solidly good, happy mood the last few days. 
And, um, and, and then it's nice to only have a three day work week after it. Um, you know, oh, yeah. And the next week I'm seeing, you mentioned, you mentioned the Franks from the show. I'm, I'm seeing Guns N' Roses with him next week. So, um, you know, a couple, I haven't been to any concerts in a while now, a couple in two weeks. So it's a pretty wild, you know, as my old ass is uh, trying to be young again, <laughs> but, uh, but it was a good time, man. And, um, I just, uh, um, you know, it's, it's, it's something that you don't take for granted because, you know, they're getting older and you know, I'm getting older. How much longer will Pearl Jam tour or keep rocking? They're working, exactly. on a, they're working on a new album though. So they plan on doing more, you know, so they're not done yet. You know? Um, but at the same time, like I, I appreciate them and I don't want to see them be Mick Jagger and 78 years old and can barely move around stage. Yeah. You know, I hope they um, stop at a good point in their career. Yeah. You know, you gotta know when to, when to hang it up, you know, cause it's like, I feel like you do more damage to your reputation when you try and just hang out there, you know, flop around on stage. Um, you know, I think the only person that can get, a, you know, get away with like being on stage for, a, you know, for, you know, many, many years is like Billy Joel, you know, because he doesn't he didn't get up there and yeah. dance around and stuff. He's on his piano. Yeah. You know, but we're like Phil Collins, man, who's un- yeah. you know, oh, sad, yeah. sadly on his way out. You know, he's got medical issues and, and there are, and is it him who really wants a tour or is it his managers and stuff that are touting him around and still touring? And when the guy just looks sad and, and pathetic, I don't mean to be mean about that, but it's just like, it's just not the way people want to remember him, you know? Yeah, exactly. And uh, so, you know, but, uh, but it was, it was an awesome time, man. And, um, you know, until I, I can't wait till the next time. And, and, uh, and whenever that is, and hopefully next year, I love They haven't been to Houston since 2003. Maybe we'll get a, uh, local show next year <laughs> you know oh, that'd be nice you know they just did four texas shows they did two in fort worth and two in he- in austin and um so maybe they won't feel a need to come to texas or maybe they'll look in the map and say hey we haven't been to san antonio or houston maybe we'll go to one of those two cities. so we'll see yeah get them a little but, closer at least other than ahsoka i didn't watch anything this week so um, i'll let you start if there's anything you watched or checked out this week um i did watch a few more episodes of babylon 5 and Sheridan is uh, Sheridan made another appearance, um, but I think uh, he only has like a small cameo because I found out that uh, he stepped away from you know the the episodes that he did because he had some psychiatric issues that he was dealing with apparently, so that's why he Wait, was so limited. Sheridan or the other the first captain, the first. Like Sheridan was the first captain. No, Sheridan's the one that takes over. Um, Sinclair. Oh, Sinclair. Sin- Sinclair. Yes, Sorry. he has. Sin- uh, he had. Um, uh, I, I don't want to say it wrong. I know he had some issues. Yeah. Well, Which unfortunately, that's, that's why they eventually pass away from his issues. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, he only appears in a couple episodes in season two or three. If I'm right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's why he goes out on the on that mission. Uh, far away mission and is replaced by Sheridan. Um, but you know, Sheridan's, he's a, he's a little bit more of a, a tougher, stronger, uh, you know, more, uh, headstrong captain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and Sinclair is the, the level headed old school, you know, 60 style sci-fi, uh, pilot or not pilot. Well, he was a pilot, um, right. but captain, um, so they got two different styles. So it just depends on, on what you like. Sinclair, he gets it done though. Um, I mean, Sheridan, Sheridan gets it done. He, uh, he doesn't play around. 
Uh, Sinclair, he's a little bit more uh, political, a little bit, you know, more light-handed, I feel like. And Sinclair, he, uh, he'll he give it to you, man. He don't play around. You mean Sheridan. He keeps Sheridan. Sorry, man, it's, it's two S's. You're yeah. going like, to like Sheridan a lot as it goes. He's grown on me. He's grown on me. I did miss Sinclair, but he's he's definitely grown on me, and I, did, I think I do like him a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, um, Michael O'Hare was a great actor at Sinclair, but, you know, he had to leave the show for his issues, and uh, they bring Sheridan in. And and uh, I've read some interviews for Straczynski said that the plan was all along to introduce to Sheridan. Um, I think they introduced him a little bit sooner than they thought because of Sinclair's issues, but it was yeah. it would have happened eventually in, anyway, or Michael O'Hare's issues. It would have happened eventually anyway, from what I've read from Straczynski. That was all part of the plan. Yeah, man, just ch- chugging along. I think I've got uh, seven more episodes before I hit the finale. So maybe uh, on my, you know, next week I have a few more days off than I had off uh, than I had this week. So maybe I can make it to the uh, season two finale and get into season three by the end of uh, next week, whenever we record. Lord. Um, Lord. Yeah. Uh, and uh, man, I, I really wanted to try and uh, and go see Expendables 4 today. Don't. Uh you know, just just because even even with the rumors, Save um, your free tickets, man. Yeah, I was reading mute. I read a couple. It's wow. Yeah, yeah, dude. I want it. From what I've read, they're saying it's incoherent. Like characters just show up. They're like, "What's going on?" There's no plot. It's like they didn't even try. They're saying no. like they must have shot this. Hey, we got a bunch of actors. Let's shoot some stuff. They said they've read it's bad, man. It's like I think it was under twenty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It's oh a, shit! It's bad, yeah. That's rough, yeah, man. It's pretty bad. Whenever uh, Raw Deal is is a better movie, yeah. Save, <laughs> I think Raw yeah, Deal is at least thirty five percent. Save your ticket or goes. I mean, I really I want to see. Uh, I'll watch it when it comes out on Disney Plus or whatever. I really want to see a Honey in Venice. I've enjoyed the first two Perot movies so far. You know, the the uh, Murder in the Orient Express and Death on the Nile. I like. Yeah, I like those murder mysteries. I kind of want to see the new one. You know, but I'll wait till it comes out. Yeah, it it, uh, it looks good, and I think uh, people have have given it good reviews. I'm in this uh, yeah. horror movie group. Well, the f- the first two have been kind of like not huge critics love them, but fans have loved them. You know, the, and mm-hmm. Kent Braun is good in the role. I've liked the first two, you know, so far. Uh, sometimes you got to look at that audience score because that's who you're going to identify more with. Yeah. You're going to identify with the audience. I mean, you look at everything. I, I think the audience score looks better than most uh you know most of the critic scores out there look at batman versus superman donna justice you know we you know i feel like the moviegoers uh you know enjoyed that more than the critics did big time yeah. uh you know and you're just gonna have movies like that um but yeah expendables i can see why it would be kind of a mess because they've always kind of you know jackie chan was uh courted by sylvester stallone to try and bring him onto one of those movies and and he he didn't like the whole you know aspect of just like kind of showing up and being like oh look it's this act it's this you know classic 80s action hero actor you know and he's like oh okay you know yeah i have everyone has like this big entrance and then they just kind of like quietly get you know faded out and he's like uh he told stallone he's like "Why, why don't we just do a movie together He's like, how about we just, you know, do something together, forget all, all of everything else, you know, and trying to cram all this stuff into one movie. Let's just do, if you want to do a movie with me, let's do one together. 
And of course it never happened. Arnold took him up on that offer though, even though that, you know, medieval movie was like horrible. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, nah, I'm good. Yeah. But other, yeah. Other than that, it was, uh, it was Ahsoka. Man. Um, let's talk about Ahsoka episode six. Um, you know, this show, man, uh, it's not as much action as the last couple episodes, but there's so much occurs that occurs in this episode. That's so important to star Wars canon and lore. And, uh, that it's um very important episode um, and and to cut it short man we we finally get to see a live action version of obviously every week when we go into Ahsoka there's going to be spoilers mm-hmm. you know um but the show comes out Tuesday night if you haven't watched it by the time we release on Monday morning well fuck sorry um yeah but uh <laughs> we finally get introduced to a live action Thrawn um I'm just gonna say it that that's what this episode is ultimately about and another character we'll get to that in a minute. Um, but Thrawn and them arrive into the other galaxy that where we find out that um, it's remnants of the planet Dathomir, basically. And uh, from what I gathered, and and Thrawn is, has uh, been there this whole time. With we get some live action Night Sisters, which all this stuff was just blowing my mind. Like left and right, the Star Wars fan. Well, yeah, it's like they're the fates. Yeah, you know, live action yeah. Night Sisters, live action Thrawn, live action Death Troopers. I'm like, wait, you know, this is just stuff we've seen in the cartoons and stuff and comics, but we've never seen live action. Um, and uh, my first thought on the live action Thrawn is obviously Mads Mikkelsen's brother, um, Lars Mikkelsen's playing him, who did the voice in the Re- Star Wars Rebels. And, and that part's perfect. His voice, his look, the, his facial look and everything, it's menacing. Um, I felt he was a little chunky. I don't know if it was just a suit, but hey, like, man, he eats good. He's Thrawn, man. On Dathomir, or that's whatever. right, baby. I'm just like, man, shouldn't he be a little thinner? He's always like a warrior tactician. I'm like, man, he's a little chunky, chunky side, but you know, whatever. He ain't skipping meals, um, baby. <laughs> we get to see his ship, the Chimera, in live action, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's got this squad of what the if people identify him as the night troopers by the captions on the show. Of these stormtroopers with like armor that looks like it's been beat up and worn out and mixed match, and one's got his captain's got this wicked samurai looking golden face, Captain Enoch, and uh, just so much to take in. And, and, and of course, they have Sabine with them because they captured him. And um, we see uh, Sabine, um, they let her go basically. They, 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 um, tactically they, let her go, tactically let her go as she yeah. goes to look for Ezra, and uh, that he sends Balin and Shin after her and uh he basically says you know whether they get left here or not it doesn't matter to me he's he's thrawn is so evil he's willing to leave balin and shin there too he doesn't care and that's just how he is just a bad bad dude yep he will use you and then toss you aside and, uh, baby and as sabine continues her quest you know she runs into uh, some bandits that she has to take out her lightsaber and then she runs into these little rock turtle looking guys or whatever um, yep. who lead her to a camp where we get the reunion that we've been waiting for. And, um, and, and Ezra is there and, uh, you know, and, and I felt that, you know, some, I guess people were waiting for this big dramatic entrance from Ezra, you know, but I kind of liked the way they did it. Like, yeah, here I am. And we figured out why he has, why Thrawn hasn't found him. It's because he's been on the move this whole time. Ezra moves all the time. Yeah. Ezra was even shocked that Sabine was able to find him. Um, the actor that plays him, uh, I loved it. His man, his mannerisms, his look. I mean, I felt like a live action Ezra. Um, and it was just, it, as a longtime fan of Rebels and Star Wars, it was just one of those moments, man. Like, this is cool. You know, just get to see Sabine and Ezra again. And um, 
And that's kind of how the episode ends, that point. And I know I, pair, I, I summarize things kind of quickly there. But there was just a lot to take in this episode. There's all kinds of theories online already about what the cargo is that the stormtroopers are putting on Thrawn's ship. Is it the remnants of the Night Sisters that are going to be brought back to life? Um, why did Thrawn ask the, the mother, the Night Sister mother, to use her black magic one more time? What is that all about? Um, yeah. You know, we also get a brief glimpse of Ahsoka at the beginning of the show, traveling in the whales, still on her way to hopefully find Sabine and Ezra. Um, just, uh, th- this is one of those episodes that maybe didn't have all the action that the last two had, but it certainly had a lot of depth and a lot of take. Oh, yeah. A lot of story. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of, you know, mild-mannered, but it gives you a lot of information. Um, I saw this clip of uh, George Lucas watching the episode and uh, one thing that, that he liked uh, as opposed to, you know, the, the sequel trilogy is, you know, whenever, you know, they, they said in the sequel trilogy, the, the new order, the first order was built out of the remnants of the empire and then everything's like brand new. And so these are the remnants of the empire and they're kind of like worn it's like the Death Stars or the, the Star Destroyer is kind of worn out and battle damaged. And yeah. so is the Stormtrooper armor way more accurate. So he he was like, this looks good, you know. Mm-hmm. And then uh, uh, he he did think that the uh, the head Stormtrooper, uh, Nobark or Enik, yeah. Uh, that his face was kind of, you know, kind of threw him off a little bit. He's like, who is this? Is this gold member from Austin powers? And, uh, I was like, it's like, he don't look like that. He looks like the gladiator from like that face from, uh, the retired gladiator that comes out, uh, in gladiator. He looks, looks a lot like that. Um, but I thought it was cool looking, you know, you have to have that, you know, top dog, you know, trooper, you know, captain phasma, uh, you know, in the original trilogy, I guess it was uh, Boba Fett, you know, because he was the he was the, he was the even though he didn't work for the Empire. But um, but yeah, you know, uh, I think uh, we got some good uh, characters, um, you know, and some good introductions. And, you know, I think uh, the next episode is going to be going to going to get set up to be, you know, way big. You know, it can't be bigger than the finale, but no, we've only got two left and we'll see how this whole thing ends. And, um, if it's left open for a season two, um, it just feels like there's a lot of story to tell here and I hope they don't rush it and try to finish it all in two episodes. Yeah. Um, looks like they took their time with this one. If you're, if you're reintroducing a villain as majorly as, as major as Thrawn, you can't end it. I think you got to utilize him. I just don't think you can end it that quickly. No. And, uh, and we'll see where they go. I, I think Thrawn could, should play out into Mando season four and other things that'd be that big of a villain. I think it's the way it should run. And uh, just as big as, as uh, you know, as Moff Gideon. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if uh, Ahsoka ends with some disappointment. Um, you know, are they, did they foreshadow Sabine's death by her getting stabbed? You know, some people that believe something like that could happen, you know? Yeah. Um, so we'll see what, what, what occurs. It's the last two episodes, but, uh, I've been really loving it so far. Um, just really enjoying the heck out of this show. And uh, can't wait for more. Man, you know, I did some uh, reflect, some research and, and reflecting on, on the previous episode. And uh, someone brought up, did Anakin save Ahsoka from dying? 
A lot of people would say yes. Anakin was the one that helped her get back. Yeah, he was and, fact, and after all this time, did he finally learn how to save those closest to him from dying? Well, yeah, I already as promised. I figured that yeah. out watching the episode. It was all part of his redemption. I remember and this, then, this is after Return of the Jedi when he had already redeemed himself by saving Luke. And then the whole point of his lesson was to show Ahsoka not to be hung up on him being Darth Vader, to look past that and to look past being a warrior and to revisit her classic Jedi training right. and to be more, uh, you know, patient and uh, basically classic Jedi. And that's why she comes out in the white robe and everything. Hmm. And she's able to have that inside of the force because she's has that realization and she can feel, you know, what happened as she spoke, said in this uh, beginning of this episode, um, she was able to see what, what Sabine's choice was. Right. Um, so that was, that was cool. And I yeah. was like, man, I was, it made, it made me, uh, made me miss Hayden. You know, it's like, man, yeah. I wish, I hope we get some more Hayden Christensen. You did a good job. Yeah. Um, we, um, let's, man, let's blow through this news real quick. It's not much, uh, Speaking of Star Wars, did you know Guillermo del Toro almost directed a Star Wars film about four years ago? Um, what? There, there was a Which script, one? There was a script written by David Goyer, and um, and they, they didn't say much. They said they're not allowed to say much in case it still gets used one day, the script. Okay. Um, but it was going to be directed by del Toro, and a lot of people believe it might have been a job of the Hut movie, that del Toro really wanted to make a gangster-style underworld Star Wars movie with Jabba the Hutt. Um, that del, would del be Toro cool. Del Toro loves his creatures and things like that. Um just a small tidbit of news, but man, I mean, everyone knows I love Guillermo del Toro, and like my God, yeah, man, Star Wars movie would have been just freaking incredible. Um, if you're a fan of the Doom Patrol TV series on HBO Max, you know the show kind of ended abruptly, but they are giving a, a few more episodes to finish the story. They're going to hit on uh, October 12th. They'll be on HBO Max, so fans of Doom Patrol can finish that show up. And if you're a fan of Blue Beetle, stick with DC. It will go digital next week on the 26th for people that did not see it. Um, it was a very slow news week. That's all I had. That's why I said we're going to literally blow through the news. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, and move to uh, today's featured film, which uh, just happens to be directed by a guy that directed two Star Wars movies. Um, <laughs> yeah. And two Star Trek movies. This uh, and a Mission Impossible film. This guy is Mister Franchise, but this is one of his original films. Actually, it's his only original film so far, and uh, and that is J.J. Uh, Abrams directed Super Eight. Um, straightforward. This is a tribute to everything Steven Spielberg, Amblin Entertainment, nineteen eighties, and Def- uh, definitely. But it also carries its own weight with its own cool story its own cool characters and it's a wonderful little motion picture. It really is. Um, you know, uh, essentially it's about these kids in a small town and they, they, they're obsessed with movies, um, you know, and, and making their own films. And, and, uh, I, I, I gather it takes place probably, did they give the time in it? But it's like kind of like 1979, yeah, late seventies. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, you can tell by the hairstyles and these kids just want to make a movie and they, they all have their different things. They're just being kids growing up and everything. When all yeah, making movies with yeah. a Super 8 camera. Yeah, get, discovering girls and all that stuff. And they, yeah. they're they making the movie one night when the when a train crashes. And they, they happen to capture the uh, the train on camera. And uh, all of a sudden, the military is moving into their town. They don't know what's going on. 
But this mystery starts unraveling that there's a cover-up here this whole time. The military is covering something up. And the kids discovered through looking at their video that there was a monster that escaped from this train, that there was some sort of monster on board. And yep. uh, so through a series of adventures, they uh, they tracked the monster to its underground lair. And it turns out the monster was capturing humans and keeping them in the lair. And not so much because he's a bad monster. I mean, he will defend himself, but he just wants to go home. That's what yeah, he does the whole time. That's it. He just wants to, he wants out. So the, the kids are able to reach this monster through just Te- like, telepathy, telepathy te- and yeah, being nice to him. Connecting with it. Yeah. And they, they rescue, they get their friends rescued. They, they help the monster escape and go home. And the town watches the monster fly away. And basically how the film ends. Um, it's a movie about self-discovery about friendship and um and it tells a pretty cool monster tale in it too i I really i really enjoy this film a lot i've seen it a few times i hadn't watched it a while and rewatching this week i'm just sitting back and this is one of the this is one of those truly feel-good movies it just makes you smile when you're watching it it is it's a lot of fun it's an adventure film it's a sci-fi film i i feel like it's it's et mertz meets goonies meets iron giant Mm -hmm. you know kind of if if the iron giant had uh you know had hypnotized people to do his, his right. uh, labor work. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, you know, misunderstood monster that you don't even see until no, the end. Yeah. Maybe three quarters away of the movie. Yeah. You finally get it. Yeah. Good about, yeah. Three quarters. And when the bus scene where they attack, the, he attacks the bus. It's the first time you get a good look at him. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you, you're afraid this whole time. Cause you think, uh, you think one way and then the, the children, well, the children get a hold of the research and then you start to get the the feeling that maybe this isn't such a bad monster. Cause you find out the truck that hit the train dead on um, was one of the scientists that was trying to help the monster escape mm-hmm. uh, or alien escape and get back to his home world. Yeah. Um, and he was just trying to get home, man, you know, and they're just, you know, fucking shit up for him. You yeah. know, they want to poke him, you know, do shit. Yeah. And he's not trying to do any kind of alien probing things. Isn't that um, weird? The alien's supposed to be probing us. We're probing him. That's it. You know? And, yeah. Uh, and, and one thing that makes <laughs> this film work so much is, I mean, you have the adult actors, you have the always great Kyle Chandler, who's always good in everything. He's oh in. yeah. But the kids, man, they're so good in this. JJ Abrams. Oh, perfect. A lot of times with the kids, he made the kids hang out together. He wanted them to bond. He wanted them, their friendships to feel really natural. He chose mostly unknowns because he wanted, these kids to not have any, you know, that he didn't want people to view this film as like, Oh, it's a movie star child. He wanted kind of unknowns. I mean, uh, Dakota Fanning sister is in there and she might've been the biggest name at the time. Um, but, and he did that on purpose. He wanted the kids to shine through just being kind of natural, uh, uh, kids. Uh, they said, um, that JJ was very him. And they said, Steven Spielberg visited this movie set more than he visited most movies that he's produces on. Cause he wow. wanted to really be a part of it. And he said that, JJ did such a great job of capturing that feeling of the movies that Spielberg was making in the eighties. And, uh, and, and, and just, it became kind of a family group affair to film this movie in a lot of ways. And it, and I think it shows on screen. Yeah. I mean, they're, the kids are the best part of the movie. I feel like the, you know, L I, I think she's probably the best of the bunch when she's acting and she's like, doing those teary eyed scenes that they're trying to film. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's, I mean, you, you buy into it, you know, you're like, wow, you know, she is talented, you know, and she, you know, showed that again, I think when she did Maleficent. Um, and I think those are really the two biggest films that she's done. Um, I like that they kind of have a, a miniature 
uh, Michael Bay amongst the group, yeah. uh, a guy that loves loves blowing shit up yeah. and, and elaborate effects. Uh, he's he's a pretty cool uh, character, and he looks familiar. I think he's been in something before. Um, but and then you get the huh? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and then you get the the heartfelt. Uh, you know, tear jerking, you know, background story of our, of our main uh, child protagonist. And uh, you know, he, he lost his mom in the beginning of the film. Uh, Joe, uh, Joe lost his mom and, you know, uh, Elle Fanning's character, uh, her dad was the reason he lost his mom and inadvertently, you know, she picked up his shift. He was supposed to be there and there was an accident at work and, you know, it, it should have been him, but he was, you know, drunk off his ass and wouldn't come in. And, you know, it's, uh, it's sad. So there's tension in between the families, but eventually, um, that's, that's moved past because conflict, you know, can heal all wounds, um, a lot of the time. And that's, that's exactly what happened. You know, they, they have to work together and, uh, you know, looks like there's some forgiveness that happens down the line, um, during the, you know, last act of the film. But, uh, but yeah, this is a, a film that I think uh, is obviously super inspired by the eighties. Uh, Abrams, you know, had a, and, and his bad robot, um, you know, t- uh, production team, they showed that he was going to be the Steven Spielberg of our generation um, with this film. I, and I, I think that's not an overstatement. I think if, if uh, you had to pick a Steven Spielberg of this generation, it's, it's him. Uh, definitely a popcorn film guy. Yeah. Um, every, everything. I think everything I've seen him do is, is highly entertaining and, and has a lot of bright spots and, and does really well. It looks good. We were starting to see a generation of filmmakers, not just JJ Abrams, but even Dennis Villanelva, um, Guillermo del Toro to a certain extent are mm-hmm. all definitely grew up watching Spielberg's films. I mean, del Toro definitely jaws is one of his favorite movies. Yeah, uh, I mean J.J. Abrams is a big fan of Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and and even Dennis Villanova, who's light years ahead of. I mean, I love J.J. Abrams, but Villanova's on a different level with his directing. I mean, that guy's going to win lots of awards one day. I mean, he, you can tell he's very influenced by Spielberg as well. Um, yeah, you're reaching that generation, and 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 J.J. Abrams straight up said he made this movie as a homage to Spielberg's films, and. uh and it shows all over the, all over the uh, film, but it but it stands on it as its own too, which I think is what makes it great. Um, there's even references to George A. Romero films in this. Romero, yes. Romero Chemicals is in the movie because the, the kids are making a zombie movie. Um, there's little things like that in the movie. Um, what else was there? Um, they even played a prank on J.J. Abrams at one point. One the yes, the same prank it. from like the last movie too. What? Oh but, yeah, yeah. yeah. Somebody said yeah. lost her script, and he's like, "What?" Um, you know, uh, people so, uh, keep fucking with him about that. I know, right? Losing script. Uh, man, had over five thousand children auditioned for roles for this movie. Um, wow. So, I mean, you got to think this was Abrams. This is his first original film coming off mm-hmm. the highly successful Lost. Lost had just ended not too long about this, and how successful Cloverfield. Cloverfield, which well, he produced that. You know, cause that oh was yeah, that was. Him and Matt Reeves are lifelong friends, so Matt Reeves directed that. Um, him and his buddy Matt Reeves used to re- were asked one time to restore Spielberg's own Super 8 films when they were working on in a video shop. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. Um, 
you know, so little things like that that just make this movie kind of have a special feel to it. Like you can, uh, yeah. You know, go ahead. Well, and what else is special is is Abrams grew up making little films on a Super 8 camera, so I feel like this was kind of like a little bit of his childhood inserted into this film. Mm-hmm. Um, so these kids, I feel like, represent you know different you know aspects of him, um, and then you know obvi- obviously the you know imagery with the the other films that this film pays homage to the, the George A. Romero's of the world. And, uh, you know, not only the, the Spielberg, but, um, you know, you had that. And then this film was a pretty big budget film, really $50 million. And, you know, after it's, uh, it's first weekend, it almost made all of its money back, man, was pushing like 40 million after the first weekend ended up finishing, you know, close to like 270 million worldwide. So it was a big success. Um, did a, mm. you know, people loved it. Um, the audience score is, is pretty good. It's like 80, 85%. Um, so it's, a happen happened to be a very successful film. And, um, obviously he put a lot of heart into it, put his own experiences into it and, uh, and his own love of, of, you know, filmmaking into it. Um, and ultimately, you get a great product, very entertaining story, engaging cast, and yeah. and compelling characters. Yeah, I hope Spielberg. I mean, Spielberg. I hope Abrams does some more original stuff. He hasn't done anything since Rise of Skywalker. I was reading part of that has been the part of the reason Abrams has not been able to get another project off the ground has been some of the war, he's working at Warner Brothers now. Um, you know, oh, there was okay. some belief at one point he was going to do a DC film, um, mm-hmm. but it seems like he's been a victim of some of these cuts going on at Warner Brothers and is having been able to get a new J.J. Abrams project off the ground. So hopefully before long. Um, but, you know, Super 8, if you've never seen it, it's on Paramount+. Plus. Um, just a, a fun a fun movie, fun homage to Spielberg and the films of the 80s, and highly recommend watching it. Oh, definitely. You know, every, everyone, every cast member in this film, you know, pulls their weight and uh, gives a great performance. And right now it's on sale for $5.99 on Voodoo. So if you don't have it and you haven't seen it, Man, get it for five bucks. It's it's not a bad buy. Yep. You won't regret it. Definitely a good film. Um, all right. Well, this that time, man. We have not done this yet this month. Uh, September this month in pop culture history. Yes. Um, what do you got, Matt? So we're going to talk about little Walt Disney. 1964. Go back. Uh, Walt Disney was awarded the. Medal of Freedom at the White House, which is that's the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Um, That's a a lifetime achievement award that, you know, Congress usually awards to certain people. John Wayne's got it before. Well, they awarded this to Walt Disney in 1964. So that would have been, uh, ooh, I don't know if that was uh, JFK or if that was uh, LBJ Uh, at the time. JFK died in 62, I think. Was it six or was it sixty three? Or sixty three? Yeah. It was. Yeah, it was like. Yeah, it was a year or two, give yeah. or take. But yeah, that would have been LB, LBJ. So LBJ awarded that. Um, we have a, a belated birthday, um, and I threw this in there because you know I'm, I'm a, I like Varsity Blues, I like Fast and the Furious, and uh, you know Paul Walker would have been fifty years old uh, this month had he not died ten years ago. Speaking of Star Wars, he came pretty close to playing Anakin Skywalker, and they decided he was too old. Yeah, just by a couple years, right? He yep. was a couple years older than than Hayden. Yeah. Not by much. But you know, he he 
would have he would have been close to the look that Hayden Hayden had. Yeah. Um, and we uh, we talked Star Wars uh, or Star Trek last week, um, and you know this month pop culture history 1966 Star Trek premieres on NBC starring William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy. Probably one of the most uh, defining culture changing television shows of all time. I mean, that's big fair time. To say that. Yeah, they weren't afraid to be diverse. They weren't afraid to, you know, have a mixed cast. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it went on for what, 12? Was it 12 no, seasons no, and six ran, movies? No, it didn't run that long. It only ran th- three to four seasons. Yeah, it didn't run. It, was it, three yeah, or four. it wasn't real long. Um, Maybe I'm thinking of like the span of the movies because the yeah. movies kept coming out afterwards. So maybe it was like 12 years of, of that. Um, yeah, 80 episodes 80 over episodes. three seasons. Yeah. Uh, we'll go a little further ahead. 1998 rush hour directed by Brett Ratner starring Jackie Chan, Chris Tucker released. Um, and it was, it was a big Hollywood breakthrough for Jackie Chan as far as, you know, American cinemas. It I was, feel like it was for him, but I, when we did that episode, I, I also felt like, God, this, this is so degrading to, to him. And it's a yeah. rock. I'm like, wow, this movie, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, it wouldn't even fly in today's culture. No, definitely yeah. not. Uh, it's a fun movie, but like, eh, don't need to really watch it ever again, and I'll be okay. <laughs> uh, we'll go back again. 1976, uh, Charlie's Angels, starring Farrah Fawcett, Kate Jackson, uh, Jacqueline Smith, and uh, John Forsythe debut. So uh, another diverse uh, series. Farrah Fawcett, of course, she's from Houston, so I had to throw this one in there. And most teenager boys in the 1970s had Farrah Fawcett on their wall. And yes. Twiddled their piddle to her quite a bit, probably. To the same poster too, the That's one where it. she's in the red, red bathing most, suit. One of the most biggest selling posters of all time. Yep, and it was taken in the back of a truck. Well, that's the funny thing. It was it was the photographer's truck, and she was just kind of sitting there. And he's like, they were doing a Thanks. separate shoot. Bill shows up in fucking movies that take place in that time. It's yes, in the back of the bedroom or in a wall or something. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, yeah, somewhere. Um, and this is just funny because, you know, I, I, anytime I can mention David Hasselhoff, uh, so 1989 Baywatch, uh, this month starring David Hasselhoff, Pam Anderson, Yasmin Bleeth, you name it, the chick from under siege that pops out of the that movie, uh, birthday cake. <laughs> for my generation, we twiddled our piddle quite a bit to the watching that show and not, yes. not to Hasselhoff. The, no, not to Hasselhoff. The bouncing things. Yes. yes. The Bouncing things. I was about 13, 14 years old, and I've never seen things bounce so beautifully. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Damn right. Uh, damn right, man. And then lastly, um, because of our friend uh, Frank, uh, 2010 TV period drama Downtown Abbey premieres in the UK, created by Julian Bellows, starring Hugh Bonneville, an ensemble cast. The episode where he admitted he watched that show, and I'm like, wait, you watch what? Oh, I like downtown, downtown Abbey. Abbey, man. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's not much better than you permitting that you watch Pretty Little Liars for your wife. But I mean, you this know, is true. But, but yeah, you can at least uh, understand some of that, right? Okay, the the chicks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it begs to wonder what else Frank watches in his spare time. This is true. I I I don't know if we want to know. No, I certainly <laughs> yeah. 
But that's it. Yeah. That is it for this month yeah, in pop yeah. culture history. September probably historically is probably a little bit slower of a month, you know, because <laughs> it's still known as the dead month for films and yeah, TV shows sometimes start premiering or in October. You know, it's just September. Yeah. And I mean, I'm looking at the theatrical landscape right now, and I'm like, what's the next thing I'm going to go see? There's just like nothing to go see. Yeah, I'm not worth it. seeing it in theaters. That's I mean, for yeah, sure. Aquaman and Wonka at Christmas, but what's like? Are there any Thanksgiving movies this year? It's like, what's coming out? You know, I guess. But I mean, since they pushed Dune back, it's like we'll see what happens. You know, We've got some mediocre horror movies coming out. Mm-hmm. You know, but that's you know that's not worth going to see. Yeah. And speaking of horror, before we get to it, we've got one more episode before we start our annual Halloween horrors, which we will. Um, preview at the end of next week's episodes we're going to keep you waiting in anticipation as far as what films we're covering for halloween horrors this month but before then we are going to go um dark and samurai-ish and ninjas and all kinds of cool ass shit and quentin tarantino's kill bill the entire fucking bloody affair did you you know for a second there yeah i kind of did <laughs> that's right we're going to cover volumes one and two in one episode because um i think that's the best way to talk kill bill you have to yeah and uh you know because people then you argue which part's better part one part two no, you got to watch this thing, the whole bloody affair. I actually have a bootleg Blu-ray of the entire bloody affair, which is taken really? from uh, the release that was only been available overseas. For some reason, they've uh, not ever released the whole bloody affair on a single Blu-ray in America. Um, but one day, hopefully, it'll happen. And it's all—it takes out all the black and white. It's all in color. Um, you know, I, I actually have not sat down to watch it since I bought the bootleg. So I just got it because I knew we were going to be covering this movie. So I'm going to uh, watch it this week. Um, but uh, looking forward to it. It's been some years since I've watched Kill Bill. It's probably it's not one of my more favorite Tarantino movies. But I'm hoping with a reviewing of it, it uh, it comes back around on me and grows a little bit. You know, that's what I'm thinking. Because uh, my initial, 
when I first saw it, I liked it, but there was so much filler in it that kept me from really liking it. Like I really, I'll talk about this more this next week in a brief preview. I really hate the opening of part one with the whole I'm buck and I like the fuck and all that stuff. It's all so unnecessary. Once it gets past that beginning of the film, then I really like it more. And I think that's, you know, which part I think Kill Bill. It's just yeah. the first 30 minutes are so unnecessary in the movie. You know what I think makes you uncomfortable? Uma Thurman wiggling her big toe. No, let's not even get started on Quentin's. <laughs> Uma can wiggle whatever she wants, and I'm fine with it. You know, so, yeah. You know, um, but next week, we will discuss Kill Bill, the whole fucking bloody affair. Yes. Yes. Add the F word in there, because why not? It's a Tarantino. There's lots of F words in it. And lots of other colorful language. Um, <laughs> but uh, And a great soundtrack. Yes, always. But until then, the RebelRadioPodcast.com for all your Rebel Radio needs. And uh, we thank you, as always, for listening, of course. And uh, we look forward to uh, Halloween Horrors coming up. But until then, we'll do some Kill Bill. And uh, until next time, this has been Mark. This has been Matt. Remember, as always, just go just there. Just go and there do and do it. it.